You are now listening to the Conversationalist Podcast. Hello, thanks for listening to another episode of the Conversationalist Podcast. I'm Jesse. I'm here with Amanda. Hi. We're going to be recording episode 19. Um, kind of a big turnaround because I think at this point we tend to average an episode generally every two weeks. I think our aim at some point, or I think my ambitious aim was to record like every week, but we tend to be like on a every two week timeline. But yesterday there was just a lot of stuff that I noticed that had come up um, within yesterday specifically and, you know, stuff that was only like two days old um, that we couldn't really fit into this last podcast. So we figured, you know what, we have enough content to go ahead and record, um, you know, a follow-up show. So we're doing this. On 4th of July, hee-hee, just got off work, figured we'd record one real quick, and then we'd run over and do our family festivities. Um, so um, we're going to go over a uh, couple of topics. Um, there's a director that's um, calling out The Walking Dead. Um, there is a ruling on a lawsuit that has to do with the movie um, Straight Out of Compton. Uh, there is a... Uh, little bit of coverage on the uh, Tarzan box office and why a good opening weekend isn't good enough. Um, We follow that up with um, some, I guess, figures relating to Finding Dory and uh, BFG as far as their box office goes. Kind of ties into the points we're making on our following podcast as far as like, you know, just what we thought of those movies and uh you know as far as the reviews go and also um you know just how some production companies you know aren't happy with large amounts of money being made unless it's like hand over fist money um then we uh talk about the introduction of another marvel show um, that's going to be coming out uh, fairly soon. And there's a... I guess you can say she's A-list now. An A-list female um, is looking to step into a uh, Marvel role. And uh, then we tie it up with um, some more news on Sword Art Online. So uh, to start out... Um, horror legend John Carpenter calls out The Walking Dead as a ripoff Um, and this was uh, from Yahoo which was posted yesterday and um, basically his point um, that he's making is that uh, Walking Dead is basically ripping off uh, god dang it George Romero's, uh, like, Day of the Dead, or Night of the Living Dead. So, George Romero makes Night of the Living Dead. I mean, Night of the Living Dead is basically, like, I think a really good catalyst for, like, just the overall better development of zombie movies, you know, as it's gone forward. And, um, you know, basically he's saying that Walking Dead is basically stealing everything from George Romero and, like, milking it to death. And, um, 
I think he brings up this point because he uh, had the Michael Myers franchise, you know, and um, which I guess technically isn't the Michael Myers franchise, it's Halloween, but he had the Halloween franchise, and so when you had Friday the 13th, like during that same time period, he felt that Friday the 13th was a ripoff of um, his Halloween franchise. So now he's chiming in saying that basically, um, you know, The Walking Dead's basically jacking all of George Romero's stuff. And these were uh, comments that he made well on the uh, Mark Marone podcast. So I don't know. I mean,. I mean, what do you think? I mean, do you really... Do you think in your in your mind that The Walking Dead is, like, taking anything from George Romero and, like, milking the Night of the Living Dead? Sounds stupid. I mean, if you're going to make a movie about zombies, you're probably going to have some sort of similarities. Or if you're going to make a scary movie about... I don't know, a holiday, you're probably going to have similarities. Because people get, you know, superstitious about Friday the 13th. I know this because my birthday happens to fall on a Friday the 13th every couple of years. And people are like, oh, isn't it scary? So, I mean, if you're going to make movies or TV shows or whatever about a certain thing, you have similarities. I wouldn't say they're ripping anybody off. I think that's just... Some people like to think that they're special enough to create something, and then if someone else tries to step in and do it, it's all of a sudden it's, oh, you're stealing my stuff, you can't take my stuff, kindergarten behavior. Right, yeah. I mean, it doesn't make any sense because the, the zombie genre is, like, huge. I mean, I guess it wasn't at the time when George Romero made Night of the Living Dead, but I think... He just did such a good job of making that film that I think it was able to develop more as time went on. And obviously, like, I I really love the zombie genre, but there's, like, a lot of different directions that people have gone with zombies. Like, you know, and just like with anything, like you pointed out, I mean, you know, people make a vampire movie, like, are people stealing... You know, the, you know, are people, like, stealing ideas from somebody that made Dracula, like, 40 or 50 years ago? Like, you know, vampires kind of have, you know, they're, they're, there's the rules of, like, how you deal with vampires. You know, and depending on what movie you see, you know, sunlight may or may not affect them. Holy water may or may not affect them. You might need, you know, a wooden stake in order to deal with them, you know, one vampire movie might have them turning into bats while another movie doesn't. Like, you know, they're all different. And so, you know, zombie movies tend to be that way too. Like, you know, older zombie movies, they moved really slow and they hungered for brains. You know, but now you don't really see, like, zombies, like, you know, saying brains, you know, looking <laughs> for looking for that kind of stuff. And, you know, you see some zombie movies where... It's not necessarily, like, some sort of chemical spill that caused them to be zombies. Where it was, like, some sort of, like, genetic issue that just came about. Or, 
you know, something crazy happened that resulted in, you know, or, you know, sometimes you don't even know the origin. It's usually a virus now. I mean, everyone's pretty much gone the way of the virus. Right. And, you know, with that, you're, you know, there's there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. And, you know, you have slow zombies, you know, in huge hordes. Other movies, they don't have those huge budgets to have, you know, thousands of zombies and makeup. You know, other times, you know, it's a, it's a handful of zombies, but they run fast, you know. Like you had 28 Days Later, it was kind of a zombie-esque, you know, uh, movie with people having rage, you know, but, and there weren't a lot of them, but you'd see these damn things running down the street after you at full speed, you know, it kind of adds that urgency, you know, to the element, you know, of, of a zombie movie. So, like, I don't think that The Walking Dead has necessarily ripped off anything from The Night of the Living Dead. If anything, like, they've built on it. You know, I don't. I think just because he made The Night of the Living Dead, like, he doesn't own the rights to everything that is the zombie genre. I mean, there were movies that came before Night of the Living Dead. I mean, we can argue that Night of the Living Dead was superior to any movie before it. But, you know, to say that, you know, after the point of him making that movie that The Walking Dead is somehow kind of taking away or, you know, milking him or, or you know, milking the, the movie, I think is, like, way off base. Like, I don't... He, I think uh, that John Carpenter just, you know, has that opinion for this like i mean his reasoning is okay yeah this dude made the movie and these people are stealing from it because it and and that's because like this other guy who made friday the 13th was basically you know milking to death my halloween franchise like that doesn't even have anything to do with him you know so like why he has an opinion on that matter doesn't really make a lot of sense to me and don't you think that if george romero thought the Walking Dead was somehow like you know, taking money out of his pocket or stealing his ideas. That he wouldn't have already retained an attorney in order to sue the Walking Dead franchise at this point. I mean, what are we in like season six, season seven? Like we're in like there's a shitload of seasons that have already happened. Like I should know this because I watched all the shows and have watched them like twice or three times. But you know, if George Romero thought this. Which, I mean, his opinion's more relevant at this point than John Carpenter's is. Don't you think he would have already done something about it? Yep. You know? And obviously, there's no leg to stand on because it's a, it's a general genre. And they've done a good job of making the zombie genre as insanely popular as it is today. I mean, before Walking Dead, there were good movies that came out, you know, that were decent. But did any of those movies cause, like, an insanely huge, like, zombie fever and appreciation for the franchise? An appreciation for just, like, the general genre? No. No. Walking Dead did. Why is that? Because Walking Dead is a television show that's able to expand on larger stories and tell... A more in-depth story and with the budgets nowadays and with amc actually coming out with a lot of quality content they can you know do better than a good zombie movie and they have so 
John Carpenter, go home. You're drunk. Hmm. <laughs> so, uh, moving on. Um, this one's a little bit different than what we're used to talking about. I mean, I guess the other topic we just talked about is a little different than what we normally talk about. But um, a judge rules that straight out of Compton, uh, that a straight out of Compton lawsuit is uh, going to go forward. And so the source for this is uh, Live Nation uh, Presents at Yahoo.com. Um, this was posted on the first, and so basically, um, the ex-manager of NWA, um, Jerry Heller, is suing the producers and the director of the film Straight Out of Compton for a hundred and ten million dollars uh, because he feels that um, they basically. I don't know. I mean, they made him look like shit. I mean, they made. I mean, they really did. Uh, essentially, he claims that he was negatively and unfairly portrayed, and was originally seeking punitive damages for defamation, copyright infringement, and breach of contract. And so, um, he thinks that his portrayal in that movie is worth a hundred and ten million dollar settlement. And uh, that's what he's suing for, which. That's a huge amount of money. I mean, I don't know whether he's still in the music business or not. But, like, I don't know how much irreparable damage, you know, that movie actually did to his name. Especially if, you know, there is some validity to the claims that N.W.A. made. Um, I mean, in the movie, didn't he take them for, like... Were pretty they were, much all they were worth in the beginning like they weren't getting like anything right right they were basically broke they were you know going from hotel to hotel they were only getting so much money which was like maybe just enough for them to have a car and like nice clothes but you know they weren't they didn't have a ton of money and the way it was portrayed is that you know the people that were keeping you know most of the money or kind of keeping them out of the deal were uh uh, the manager, and, uh, god dang it, uh, who's the other guy, um, oh my god, why am I drawing a blank on his name, uh, well damn, this is stupid and anticlimactic, because I can't think of his name, and I'm drawing a blank, even though, in my mind, I know exactly whose name I want to say, but I can't think of it, it's not Ice Cube, it's not MC Ren, it's not fucking, um, not Dr. Dre. Who's the fourth guy? Is it the one that died? Yes. You don't know what his name either? No, but I know who it is. I, Jesus Christ. Because I can think about it. Like, I see him, I see him there when he's in his bed and he's dying and they're like, ah. And he has, but I can't think of the name. Yeah, I I just want to slap myself. I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, we'll remember when it doesn't fucking matter. Um, so, uh, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, they basically uh, responded to the lawsuit by filing an anti-slap motion, which uh, basically means that um, they're saying that the movie's protected under the First Amendment uh, to, you know fair use to free speech and you know that they're able to tell their story so with the anti-slap motion it's basically saying that hey look 
we have a right to tell our story, you know, what your claims are irrelevant. And so um, on the on June 29th, the judge basically heard the case, and even though the judge basically told Heller that he didn't believe that, like, anything was going to actually hold up in court, um, Heller insisted that, you know, the lawsuit move forward. So the judge went ahead and approved the, uh, you know, go ahead and approve the lawsuit to move forward. Is it Easy E? Yes, Easy E. And uh, and he dismissed the anti-slap motion. So, um, you know, I mean, they're at, you know, the directors and producers are at risk of possibly, you know, being sued, you know, for this $110 million figure. Um, you know, whether or not they actually have to pay out that much remains to be seen. I'm sure to kind of avoid any further issues, they'll probably just end up, you know, settling the lawsuit for a much smaller number. Because I imagine the only reason this dude is, like, coming after them now is because he sees how much money the movie's made. I'm sure he is pissed they're making them look like shit, which is, you know, the whole reason for bringing up the lawsuit. But I'm sure he knows better than anybody that with as much money as the movie made that they'll probably end up settling for some figure. And guess what? He didn't have to work for it at all. So That's probably all it is, which isn't fair because it seems to me if enough people are telling their story as that's what he did, then that's what he did, and he should accept it that he would he did that to them. So yeah, he shouldn't be getting any extra money off of those guys. I mean, they earned what they earned because it was their talent, and the, and this is their movie, so... Why should he be? Why should he be rewarded for his crap behavior again, with a lawsuit saying, "Oh, look, you made me look like crap. I want some more money." Right, and and the guys themselves were more, more successful when they went and did their own ventures. You know, when Ice Cube went off on his own, you know, eventually when Dr. Dre went on his own, when they all went off on their own, they were making more money than they were as a group, even though they were like ultra huge as a group. You know, which says a lot. And, you know, in the movie, it basically depicted that, you know, he he always had kind of, you know, Easy e with him. And, you know, they were always sitting together. They were always eating fancy. You know, they were always, it always seemed like they were always conspiring and like Easy, you know, tended to, you know, have more money or have an excuse, you know, for Heller as far as like what was going on and you know, kind of convincing the guys that, you know, our time's going to come and all that kind of thing. So it almost seemed like, you know, they were even saying, like, kind of Easy e was in on it. You know, that's the impression I got from watching the movie. Um, well, he probably picked him and because, not well, he, really he, pun intended, but well, he was the easiest one to get to. Well, like. no, he was the hustler. Like, he was the one that was always, you know, he was the, he was the very savvy guy. He was the business savvy dude. So... I mean, it makes sense. Um, I don't know. I don't think it'll go anywhere. I don't think they'll probably have to worry about it much. I'm sure the producers and the directors and stuff like that have, you know, decent attorneys that are going to make sure that they don't have to really pay out much. And, you know, the judge himself already said that, like, he doesn't think that the lawsuit's going to go anywhere, which says a ton, you know. So, I mean, this dude's, like I said, he's throwing out a Hail Mary, trying to get a handout, like anybody else. I mean, how many... How many successful songs come out and then somebody else you've never heard of like in a million years like comes out of the woodwork and they're like, oh, hey, 
there's like a five second segment that like sounds just like some song obscure song I made like 10 years ago that never picked up but I'm gonna sue them for 10 million dollars because they stole my shit yeah you're like really no so um you know good luck to those dudes uh you know so for our third topic um the Tarzan box office when a good opening weekend isn't good enough this was posted on Forbes.com yesterday and uh you know basically what I got from this and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because in the last podcast we were kind of you know talking about like you know what you know these companies you know if they're not making a billion dollars you know they're you know they're shitting their pants like on oh you know what do we do wrong or you know why aren't these things making a half a billion dollars like you know they have to have like these huge figures or they want like you know triple on their return um you know and it just makes no sense you know i mean like if it makes if it makes close to double or you know if it makes like a good amount of money over the top i mean hell that's pretty good but i mean from a business standpoint these days uh it's um it's basically a huge failure um and so the legend of tarzan um has earned about 40 million dollars for the weekend and um it's expected to make about 44 million you know over the holiday frame now it received a solid a from uh a solid uh a solid a from cinema score and um was doing good with like you know most demographics but um the thing is is it's still being considered i mean not necessarily a flop but just like an underperforming movie when the fact is is that when it opened it opened above tracking and it opened way above most predictions um you know so in that sense like it's a success or even a hit but the problem is is that it cost 180 million dollars to make that movie and so you know over the course of the you know the the entire release of this movie before it pulls out of movies they want it to make at least two and a half times what they what they paid so 180 million shit uh another 180 million you know another 90 on that they want to make at least 270 million on top of the 180 i mean that's they're expecting a fucking huge return so that's uh it's a lot i mean it's a big expectation i mean considering like when we saw that they were making a tarzan movie we're like really that movie looks stupid yeah we we're just like this looks like garbage and we actually saw that uh trailer um at a convention and we were just like really they're making a tarzan movie like i haven't even heard of that and i actually was like is this like some sort of fucking like fan fan trailer like it just seemed so dumb uh you know i don't think tarzan is interesting enough to be like a movie i mean it was a movie and now now here's the thing um in this it's also it also uh is comparing it to um you know the disney version of tarzan uh and so that movie made 171 million domestically and ended up making 448 million worldwide so the cartoon yeah the cartoon so 
you know, basically, in order for them to consider the Tarzan movie a success, it's going to end up having to be as successful or more successful than the Disney Tarzan movie in order for them to consider it a success, which the Tarzan cartoon was actually good. The movie, I mean, thus far, I mean, yeah, it's got a good cinema score, but that doesn't mean everything. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, you know, so, I don't know, I mean, do you, do you have any opinion on this? I mean, we've kind of already, like, beat this horse to death, but it just, uh, it's well, stupid. It's, it's overperforming, but it's still already a failure. It kind of is my same thought as yesterday. Actors get paid too much. That's part of their problem. If they... If they stopped paying them so much, they wouldn't have to recoup so much in box office sales. And Tarzan specifically, you could tell that movie was like, there was a lot of CGI into it, which means they're going to have to spend a ton doing all of those effects. Because, I mean, that fool is standing in the middle of, like, rhinos and shit in the trailer. So, I mean, you know those aren't real. Right, yeah. So, I mean, it's all perspective. That fool would have gotten paled by a real rhino, <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, it's just they try to do too much on movies that probably don't need it. Like that one, like, well, that movie probably didn't even need to be made. But I mean, all the CGI, they probably could have worked around that and stopped paying the actors so much. They're not worth it. Yeah. So your job's not that hard. (laughs) They work hard for that money. They work like six months, nine months at a time. No. So... Now, moving on to that one, this is going to like provide a super awesome segue right into the box office for Finding Dory, which sinks Legend of Tarzan, Big Shock, um, and uh, BFG um, with you know well over the amount of monies that both of these other two movies made. This is also posted on Yahoo yesterday uh, via The Hollywood Reporter. Um, now, the, 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 the thing is, is that, okay, Steven Spielberg, he made... A movie for Disney, which is The Big Friendly Giant. And we already covered, you know, what we thought of that movie yesterday, or I did. And uh, it was a snoozer. Um, Pretty, but a snoozer. Yeah, it was pretty and a snoozer. Now, now as we pointed out in this, uh, the last story, Tarzan, Tarzan got an, you know, an A cinema score. So did BFG. Um, it got an A Cinema score, and it also, you know, had a high profile at the world premiere of the Cannes Film Festival in May. And it's being directed by Steven Spielberg, so you're just going to assume that, okay, Steven Spielberg's going to direct an awesome movie, and it's being backed by Disney. Like, what could go wrong? Like, this just seems like, you know, it's a no-brainer. It's going to make, you know, tons of money hand over fist, which is probably what they assumed. Um, but, as it turns out, the net budget for the film again another huge freaking amount of money to develop this movie for because again all the cgi and bullshit um it had a net budget of 140 million dollars and it's basically bombed because as it stands right now it opened in 3357 locations and as of yesterday it had only made 19.6 million dollars with a projection of 23.6 million dollars so at this point, it's a 4th of July, you know, weekend. It's made that much money. Um, it's, you know, came in with good reviews, but obviously people do not like it. 
Um, obviously, we did not like it, or I didn't, and so we're not going to go see that. I would have rather gone to see the new Independence Day movie, because I was more awake for BFG than you probably thought I was. I saw more of that than I saw Finding Dory, and it was just... Yeah, it sucked. It made me go back to sleep. And, and so... <laughs> You know, I mean, these these crazy cinema scores and all this shit and, you know, them banking on, okay, we have a good director, you know, we have a good production company, you know, this movie's going to make money, like, they just need to find better, fi- like, they just need to find a better story. Like, they could have made BFG, like, it could have been a better movie. It was too slow. It didn't, I mean, yeah, sure, adults probably thought it was great and gave it a fucking awesome cinema score and said, oh yeah, this is a good movie for the Cannes Film Festival, but well, this is going to be aimed at kids. Like, are kids going to like this? Like, do they actually test this with kids? If they had a bunch of kids in a fucking movie theater with them watching BFG, they'd probably have been like, oh shit, maybe we need to make a different movie or change something about it because they probably would have had half the kids asleep. They probably would have been yeah, like running. Kids don't have the attention span for that movie. Yeah, they they would for Finding Dory though, and it shows because Finding Dory, as far as you know, the money that they've made through Sunday is going to be about two hundred seventy-two million dollars, with a global earning of about five hundred thirty-eight million dollars. So, I mean, there it is. Oh wait, I stand corrected. Um, no wait, that's correct. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a shitload of money. That's uh, super crazy. No, so the three-day weekend total for Dory is $41.9 million. I don't know where I got that other figure from. I think it's saying that Finding Dory's domestic total through Sunday is sizable. Okay, so, yeah, that's right. So uh, it, it basically tied Finding Nemo. And it's the number five uh, animated title of all time not accounting for inflation so i mean as it stands finding dory is not surprisingly a super big hit and guess what they just did what was successful about finding nemo but they actually managed to change the story enough to where it wasn't just a rehash so no shock just keep swimming, Dory. Just keep swimming. <laughs> right. So um, then we're, we're going to take a little tiptoe into the Marvel universe. Um, there is another Marvel character that uh, is getting its own television show. Um, this was uh, found on Yahoo uh, via Hello Giggles, and this was uh, posted yesterday, July 3rd. Um, The thing is, is that this show that's going to debut is going to be based on Legion, who is um, the son of Professor Xavier. The show itself is going to premiere on FX, which to me says that it's probably not going to be a show for very long. Just my guess. I mean, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. has done fairly well, but, you know, I mean, obviously at this point, um, you know, we know that just because it's a Marvel show doesn't mean it's going to stay. I mean, they cut Agent Carter, and Agent Carter was supposed to be a good show that did well and got pretty decent ratings, but it still got cut because 
even though it got decent ratings, they weren't good enough for the for the studio. So, um, you know, you have this, you know, Legion show coming to FX, and on top of that, we find out that this is actually based in an alternate timeline from, like, the X-Men. So you're not really going to expect to see the X-Men in this show either. And if that's not enough, it's probably, you know, because of the fact of this timeline shit, it's probably not going to have any sort of crossover with existing Marvel shows. So it's in a time period where, you know, uh, mutants aren't really well known. It's not really well known that there are mutants out there. It's just becoming recognized by the government, but otherwise to the general public, they're unaware. And so, obviously he's Professor Xavier's son, so he has, like, telepathic abilities and stuff, and, uh, um, I forget his, uh, his rating. Basically, like, he's one of the more powerful mutants. Uh, so, I I don't know. I mean, what do you think, like, the success is going to be of this show? Like, I feel like Marvel should maybe try to keep most of their stuff on, like, I don't know, a bigger network or even just playing it safe and, like, sticking to you know, stuff like Netflix. I'm kind of tired of all the superhero shows. Like, they need to stop at what they have and stop stop adding. I mean, there are so many right now. It's just... There's a lot. I, I think the networks, all of them need to quit while they're ahead. I mean, CBS tried with Supergirl... And they ended up having to move it to the CW to be with Flash and Arrow because it didn't do well at CBS. So now they're going to try this one on FX, and guess what? It's probably going to suck, so where is it going to go? Hey, Pro- maybe the CW will take it. <laughs> but no, they won't no. because it's DC. <laughs> so <laughs> if, I don't know, stop oversaturating the market, people. Otherwise, all your superhero ventures are going to fail because people are going to get tired of it. And I think that's why Agent Carter didn't do as well as they had hoped because everyone liked Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. And they liked when she was on it as a guest star, but she wasn't strong enough to hold it as a standalone as much as everybody wanted it because female empowerment, blah, 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 blah. She just didn't hold it on her own. Sorry. I concur. So... There's that, you know. I'd like to see it do well. I mean, if it's a good show, I'll definitely watch it. And I'll definitely take a look and, you know, see what it has to offer. But as it stands, like, I just don't hold out a lot of hope that it's going to be successful just because, I mean, like you said, like I said, there's already, you know, like Supergirl's failed on a bigger network. You've had Agent Carter that's failed on another network. Um... I mean, at this point, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, who knows how long Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. They've, has before that gets canceled. They've held on to that, even though the ratings haven't been strong enough to sustain it. It's yeah, just they've because they've taken a big dip. 
they they're holding on to it because it's Marvel. That's the only reason ABC still has it. Otherwise, it would have been gone a long, long time ago. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, their stuff has dipped along. You know, for it's continued to dip as um, you know time has gone on, and you know, basically, yeah, like Amanda said, that's the sole reason it's afloat. I think at this point. I mean, I'm not saying the show's not good, but those major networks have to have good ratings. People like to see it in movie form. They, You know, everyone always complains that they want a, a TV show, but once the show is there, they don't like it. It's just movies. People tend to like the movies better, or if they can do it on Netflix where things can get a little bit more adult and not so family-friendly, then they can do it there. But other than that... It usually it, they just don't work, with the exception of Arrow, obviously that's on CW, and then Flash also seems to be doing well there. So there's that, but of course Arrow is a little bit different. Yeah, maybe maybe uh, Legion will surprise. We shall see. Um, so moving on, the A-list actress that uh, wants to play a Marvel role is Anna Kendrick. Uh, She is down to play Squirrel Girl if Marvel ever gets around to making the movie. And uh, this is via Yahoo, also through Hello Giggles, um, which was posted yesterday. Um, So, I mean, I think basically she didn't even know what Squirrel Girl was. Um, Her brother basically sent her the information for this uh squirrel girl superhero and thought that uh she should play it and so what she said was my brother sent a squirrel girl comic because he thinks i should play her um she said this in an interview with netta porter and she said i don't think what squirrel girl does uh my reading failed i don't know what squirrel girl does other than be half squirrel but i could be half squirrel and uh so Squirrel Girl came onto the scene as a big fan of Iron Man and um, she adopted the name Squirrel Girl in hopes of becoming his sidekick, but that didn't work out and now she's part of the Great Lakes X-Men. So um, it doesn't look like there's going to be any sort of introduction of Squirrel Girl into the Marvel cinematic universe the only reason being is because as the story points out and as we've pointed out in the past there's a ton of movies that are in line to be made you have doctor strange that's coming up this november um in 2017 you have guardians of the galaxy volume 2 spider-man homecoming thor ragnarok and then in 2018 you have black panther avengers infinity war part one ant-man and wasp and then in 2019 they have captain marvel and avengers infinity war part two so how they can manage to fit a squirrel girl movie into the mcu i don't know and where that would even fit as it's you know as it stands into all these big name characters into the marvel cinematic universe don't really make sense they wouldn't and so um i i think it's unrealistic i mean but as um the writer speculates in this um article you know and it it makes a little bit of sense basically um what they point out is that maybe 
maybe if Marvel was like, oh yeah, she might be good for Squirrel Girl, maybe we can like work her in somehow into the MCU, like as a, you know, a character that kind of like makes a cameo in some of these other films, you know, but she might not get her own standalone film, you know, and maybe they would be willing to try to do something with it if they see that like there's a big name that wants to attach themselves to that role. So, I mean, maybe they could, you know, gather some sort of interest, but I don't, I don't see Anna Kendrick saying, yeah, I'll play that role, you know, for them to basically be like, oh, okay, well, let's fit you in here between these guys or, you know, okay, well, let's, you know, let's try to fit this in somehow to, you know, the story arc that we've already developed. Like, it seems totally unrealistic because Marvel is so calculated in terms of, like, what they're doing as far as unveiling, the, you know, the, the, the cinematic universe. Well, and Squirrel Girl's a teenager who's also a little bit hefty. I believe so. Anna Kendrick doesn't fit any of that. Well, and, and it's funny because there were comments associated with this uh, online article, and there was somebody that's like, "Yeah, one person points out like, uh, Squirrel Girl's like sixteen, you're like 30. And then somebody else said, um, "Somebody else said, um, isn't you know the Squirrel Girl kind of you know heavy, you know, because obviously Anna Kendrick's skinny, and then some." Some other asshole made a comment that, like, you know, she shouldn't play Squirrel Girl. Maybe if there was a Rat Girl, basically taking aim at uh, what uh, her her looks, you know, at her looks, so that uh, maybe she's more appropriate for a Rat role. It's just kind of fucked up. But uh, I think at this point she's just trying to to jump into the universe, which. But who isn't, though? Like, anybody be like, yeah, Which we can play sad. It's sad, though, to put it... Like, I like her as an actress a lot, but that's just, hey, let me pick this random character and be like, yeah, I'll totally I'll do that, but I don't know anything about them. If there was Except another... my brother sent me one comic book about her. Well, I mean, some of these people don't know a shitload about the comics before they got, you know, cast for the role or something came up. I don't imagine there's a lot of female superheroes in the Marvel MCU as it stands at this point that she can actually be able to step in and play. And so I can see where she's trying to attach herself to something and let it be known so that she can try to get into the Marvel Universe. Because right now, she's kind of typecast in these certain roles. And she I could be Spider-Gwen. Spider- uh... Dye hair blonde. Do it. Go. Well, that'd be interesting, I suppose. But she's already put her name in for Squirrel Girl. Hey, maybe they'll be like, hey, maybe you want to play Spider-Gwen? And she'll be like, fuck it. I don't know what it is, but I'll do it. <laughs> you know? Um, but, I mean, who wouldn't want to attach themselves to something like this? Okay, remember when all these, uh, well, all these uh, Star Wars movies are still being produced, but when they were doing the prequels, all of a sudden it's like, uh, Samuel L. Jackson's going to be a fucking Jedi? Yeah, he's stupid. You know, and basically he just stepped in as all, oh, I want to be... He just wanted to be a role. Okay, it's Samuel L. Jackson. He, ba- you know, basically it was said, oh, you know, I just wanted to play like a minor role, like you know, as a stormtrooper, like you know, some background role, but I just want to be in the movie. And there, and then like basically, I think it was like George Lucas is like, fucking, we'll make you a Jedi. And he's like, oh, really? Thanks. Like he didn't know that was gonna happen, right? Cause he just wants to yell his lines. Yeah. He's all, can I say motherfucker in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> it's all stairs motherfuckerly. <laughs> so, um, I mean, she's smart, like, trying to get into the Marvel MCU. Like, I, I would, fuck, if I was an actor or an actress. 
definitely try. So good luck to her. Maybe she'll get Spider she, Gwen or she would have been. Girl. She would have been better off as a freaking Natalie Portman's role, Jane Foster. Uh, if they were gonna stick her in, yeah, I think I think Natalie Portman be, is better. She would be like a plain clothes person, not like directly into the universe. Right. Oh yeah, I get what you mean. Yeah. But she probably wants to. She's probably like Olivia Munn. She wants to kick ass. She just doesn't want to be somebody's girlfriend. Ugh, Olivia Munn's stupid. <laughs> so, um, moving on to our last topic, um, Sword Art Online: The Beginning. Um, this takes place before uh, the before the first Sao. Um, this is a VR base game and the there's a video um that uh who are the reporters it was associated with uh, daisuke.net and it was shared through anime news network um and basically these um reporters get a first-hand look on what the sword art on lane sword art online game is going to be like um so they get ushered around through you know this back area and you know like you see like in anime movies you know it doesn't matter like what kind of company it is you know you 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 see like you know the japanese scurrying around they're all wearing like lab coats and shit and you're like wow they all look like doctors that shit was legit because these reporters were like in this like gaming area and all these japanese people had fucking clipboards they were wearing like white pants, white fucking shirts. They were wearing white trench coats, fucking ties and stuff. They all looked like doctors, like super scientific and shit. And it was like a fucking game developer place. And um, so they bring them around. Uh, they do a full body scan. They try to scan your image into the game. So then once you do the full body scan, then they bring you over and they have you put on different shoes that are basically like a one strap strap on that you put on. And they kind of have like a little Velcro square that goes on the end near the tip of your feet. And so when they bring them over to the gaming area, it looks similar to like what you see from like Oculus Rift or what you might have seen from like other VR platforms where you have to like stand in a platform that kind of has an elevated ring that's about waist high, you know, for you to walk around in. And so um, they basically explain, like, certain gestures that you use in the game. So when you move your feet up and down, like, you know, you, you move your knees up and down. Like, if you're walking in place, that's how you move in the game. You don't just, like, push yourself up against the up against the little, like, circular platform and kind of run forward the way, like, you may have seen other videos do with, like, first-person shooters. This one, you kind of got to walk in place, you know, with your kind of, you know, lifting your knees up in order to walk around in-game. You can manipulate everything with your hands because they they have those uh, little sensors, you know, that are on the front of the uh, um, of the visor. It's like an interconnected helmet that almost looks like uh, the helmets that you actually see in Sao that they basically place over your head, you know, and covers your eyes and stuff like that. Is fucking crazy. Um, so you put this whole helmet on and you can see the whole HUD. What's neat. Um, is it like when they place them on there? They place the little, they place these small sensors on the ends of your feet, so that it can sense when you're moving your feet up and down. And uh, you know they were showing 
some, uh, you know, real-time play, you know, via a monitor, you know, of what the people were actually seeing, you know, as far as the reporters could see, and, you know, they could see their hands, and they're able to manipulate the actual SAO in-game menu the way you'd see it in the cartoon. So when you see, like, Kirito messing with, like, the the UI and, like, clicking on stuff in the friends list, it's kind of like, you know, just kind of comes up in front of him, and you're able to, like, click with your fingers and, like, drag and drop, you know, these boxes and stuff like that. That's how it is. I mean, they made it look just like the real game. So, um the in-game world looked just the way you'd expect it to look. I mean, they basically tailored it exactly to the anime. So if you're a huge fan of Sword Art Online, they really did a good job in trying to make it look exactly like you'd expect it to. And then, you know, they do one better with actually trying to, like, scan your entire body, you know, into the game so that, you know, your avatar looks just like you and so that you can go and customize yourself you know to be a citizen of that world that virtual reality world um they were able to you know move around manipulate objects and then eventually they um gathered into a group with some of the other reporter friends and they did like a small engagement with uh with a boss in a little dungeon and uh i'm sure it was on some sort of easy mode um because they defeated it and then you know it goes to like a you know a fade out of uh you know the finishing of the demo and you know so you hold both your hands up kind of like you know like you're trying to get somebody to stop in order to block you know you move you know if you throw your arms out like you're you know like in a hacking motion that in that indicates like an attacking motion in the game um they were trying to you know i think they were trying to utilize like special abilities in the game which are probably access through the HUD, um, you know, or through some other motions that maybe weren't explained, um, you know, but I think it was just, I think like a proof of concept because it was an alpha test. I think it was like a pre-alpha test. So I think it's just a proof of concept to show what they have so far and it's exciting. Um, so I, uh, I mean, there's, there's, I, I could go on and on, but I would suggest you take a look at it for yourself. Um, we took the video and we shared it to our Facebook page. So if you want to take a look at that video, um, go to that conversation list on Facebook, and uh, we have that posted up. And um, we also posted up the uh, trailer for um, Yoga Hosers yesterday. And the reason I did that was because when we talked about Yoga Hosers, we basically talked about like being excited to watch it you know, how we didn't get to go to the premiere and that, you know, we want to go see it and whatever, but we actually didn't talk about specifically what the movie was about. And so without, you know, talking about it all over again and talking about like what the trailer is about, if you want to know what it's about, just go to the Facebook page, that conversationalist and the yoga hosers trailers right there, along with the, uh, SEO pre-alpha test trailer. So, uh, check those out. Um, you know, before we go, um, Amanda, had the opportunity, you know, Amanda did watch SAO with me. She watched uh, SAO 2, and um, I think that she enjoyed them probably about as much as I did. I know probably as much as I did. I mean, probably not like I did, but, um, you know, having seen the pre-alpha test video, I mean, what did you think? It looked really neat. 
Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I don't know. I didn't think, I didn't think they could do that with games. Yeah, I mean, I kind of thought that it was, you know, kind of going to be a long while before we saw something like that. I mean, obviously, it's not true VR in the way we see it with SAO, where you basically lay down, you place the helmet on, and, you know, you're basically, like, conscious in the game, you know, where it's able to kind of, like, you know, put you down and you come out of it, you know, kind of thing, where you're, like, in it, you know, with senses, you know, you can see and feel and like taste you know certain stuff in the game you know obviously it's not there but in the sense that it's promising vr in that direction um i'm really excited now that's going to be super expensive for a two-player game (laughs) you know if amanda and i wanted to play together the way we play world of warcraft together um you know that's going to be expensive having to get fucking two platforms two helmets fucking sensors you know for our feet and all that kind of bullshit um that is going to be quite the tall order although you might be surprised because you know the oculus rift system um we thought that that was going to be extremely expensive and it turns out that it uh was pretty much comparable to the ps4 vr so um you know even though we saw what we saw in terms of like the pre-alpha test in this video maybe we could expect them to in, at least be in a reasonable range. And when I say reasonable, if, you know, that whole system costs like 800 bucks or something, I think that would probably be reasonable. For a game, that's fucking steep, but considering what type of game that is, and that it's it, you can't really put it in a class with like PS4 or Xbox, that's something completely different. I would be willing to go that direction to get something like that. Although, you know, I'd want to know that they have other games in the works other than Sword Art Online to play. Although, Sword Art Online is probably going to be a time sink like World of Warcraft. (laughs) So, you may not not want a second game that kind of has to have that kind of time in it. But, you know, um, you know, those that have watched Sword Art Online... You know, obviously, they don't have to go very far in terms of ideas on what to do. You know, you have the um, Sword Art Online universe. Obviously, they could probably remake Alfheim Online. Mm, We know where they do the fairy world, which would be fucking neat. Um, You know, and then you also have uh, the game that he goes into later in Sword Art Online 2 with Gun Gale Online, which was another really cool one. So, um, you know... I don't think they have to venture very far for like good ideas to step away from Sword Art Online to also stay within the Sword Art Online franchise and also just have a really deep, um, you know, rich environment, you know, to to move to next. So I almost wonder if they have those types of uh, environments or games like in development already with them already in the pre-alpha for uh, Sword Art Online. Um, it'd be really exciting to see possibly what would be neat too is i just thought about this is that sword art online this uh the beginning takes place before sao so imagine that you are in the game you've been playing for a while you know and as the game develops what if as the game develops in sword art online that basically you get to play alongside kitty toe 
and Asuna and all those other characters that you're familiar with in Sword Art Online as like NPCs, you know, like powerful NPCs during the time when everybody's trying to defeat the, you know, to get to the, the top level in order to get out of the game. That'd be interesting. That would be fucking cool. So, um, again, check that video out. Uh, that Conversationalist on Facebook. Um, you can check us out on Twitter at, at that com podcast. Um, you can, if you're listening to us already, you probably found us on SoundCloud, but we're also downloadable on iTunes. You can send us an email at, uh, that conversationalist at gmail.com. Um, you know, whatever you want to ask, whatever you want to talk about. If you don't know something about something and you maybe want us to cover it or you want us to look into whatever it is that you're not familiar with, I'm willing to do that, you know, so, um, you know, thanks for listening. It's episode 19. 4th of July, feeling patriotic, about to blow shit up, catch stuff on fire and yell America. Maybe not all that shit, but definitely going to have fun with family and spend time and whatever, so... Listen to all the dogs bark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sedate your dogs or do something with your animals, because it's, you know, I've seen plenty of posts from, uh, you know, uh, furry... Furry lovers, you know, saying that, uh, you know, today's the day that most dogs, like, run away or, you know, get driven wild because people are blowing shit up, so. Jump in the pool and. So, yeah, be caring. <laughs> um, but have a safe 4th of July. Thanks for listening. I'm Jesse, and Amanda's here. Yay. And we're saying goodbye. Bye. And have a happy 4th and a safe 4th. Woohoo. Later.